Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we get into the word of God. And after a couple days of a little excursion here talking about current events and the shooting down in the Nashville school, uh, we're going to get back just into looking into the word of God today. And we're in a very important section in the Sermon on the Mount, and it relates to this idea of judging and how to make good judgments and how to correct things in life. I hope you'll stick with me. This is, a, this is a very, very important message that can help us learn how to resolve conflicts before they get out of hand, and we can see what happens when that happens. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your eye. Behold, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I'd like to talk specifically this morning about the second and third, and particularly the third of these commandments. You say, wait a minute, there's... Three commandments in here? That's right. The first commandment, do not judge, we saw this earlier in the week, is addressed to hypocrites. This is not just, generally speaking, we don't want to have a judgmental, critical, negative attitude. We don't want to be professional fault finders in other people. But the commandment not to judge in specific Jesus is speaking to hypocrites. He was really addressing and his disciples and comparing the difference between how they should be and how the Pharisees were. There is a tendency in, in human beings to want to exalt ourselves, not by changing or growing or becoming better people, but by putting other people down. There's one of two ways that you can feel better than others. You can be better because you really get better, or you can be better because you just find fault with them and put them down. And we want to be growing. Not We don't even want to be comparing ourselves with others or thinking I'm better or whatever. We compare ourselves with Jesus Christ. We don't, we, in the pecking order, shall we say, we consider ourselves to be humble ourselves before the Lord, acknowledge our own sinfulness, our how we fall short of Him, and instead of comparing ourselves with others, We're desiring to be like Jesus Christ. He's our standard. We set our eyes on him, and we want to grow to be like him. How how we relate to others, that's between them and God. We relate. We we want to be the person God calls us to be. But there are two more commands in this section. The second commandment is take the log out of your eye. In other words, do a little self-examination. Or dare I say more specifically, open yourself up to the Spirit of God to examine you. Open yourself up to to God to see if there be any hurtful way in you. And if there is, we repent of it. Oh God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for what I've done. Change me. Transform me. Make me more and more like Christ himself. And so as we see faults in others, we should be asking ourselves, is there a log in my eye? Is that why I'm so irritated by what they do? 
is, is, is in my judgment or criticism of that person, is it really motivated by a fault in my own life, or or have I taken the log out of your my eye? Now, let me tell you something, friends. You can take the log out of your eye, and not only that, you're supposed to. I know a lot of people walk around saying, I've, I won't do anything. I, I've just got this constant log in my eye. And they have such a um, negative understanding of sanctification that they never, they're just always feeling they're the, they're the one at fault. Now, it's true, that's where we look first. But we are to address things. We're not to just say, I'm going to have this log fill in my eyes until Jesus comes back. And some people kind of live that way. And as a result, they're not, they're not growing to be who God wants them to be. They're just constantly, sometimes depressed. I speak I was that way for a long time, just constantly down on myself, constantly finding fault with myself, constantly thinking I'm the problem. And this is where the difference, as I mentioned earlier, we ask God to examine us. You see, sometimes we can have times of self-reflection and introspection, and it's just all ourselves. And some of us who may be given to more of a uh, melancholy temperament or a negative temperament, or maybe even grew up with a lot of criticism in our families or whatever, it's not really God convicting us. It's just us uh, criticizing ourselves. God's conviction always brings about growth. God's conviction always, there's a way out. There's a way forward. Lots of times our own self-criticism, all it does is condemn, condemn, condemn. And of course, we have a spiritual enemy who takes advantage of that. And he's constantly trying to condemn and accuse us. Make sure you're listening to the Spirit of God. He'll move you forward. He'll bring conviction and sorrow over sin, but he'll move you forward. The devil and the flesh, they'll bring all they'll bring is condemnation. And that constant spirit hanging over you, that spirit of condemnation. But I want to get to this third commandment. And the third command here is to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I find that's, that's a hard thing to do. It's not easy to do. Oh, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to find fault. But it's not easy to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Why is that? Well, I, I think there's several reasons. Number one, what we've just said, it requires that you first take the log out of your own eye. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's hard to move on to that third step. And a lot of people just say, I'll let you, you know, live and let live. You got your problem, I'll have my problems. You have your faults, I'll have my faults. We just don't interfere with one another. And so they just never get involved. Second thing sometimes, though, is even if you have taken the log out of your eye, Sometimes to try and help take the speck out of your brother's eye, it takes courage. Why? They might be defensive. They might not agree. They might turn and attack you in exchange. They might say you're the problem. They might come after you. And so sometimes it's just easier to just back off. And indeed, sometimes maybe you should back off if it really deteriorates. But it takes courage to approach a person. You want to do it with wisdom, and you want to do it, you want to do it with grace, and so on. We'll talk about that in just a second. 
But sometimes it just takes plain old courage to confront someone, maybe especially if it's someone who's a superior to you, an authority, a boss, uh, someone who has a, a higher position or role than you, a church leader that takes courage in that case. But I want to tell you, it takes courage when it goes the other way as well. A lot of parents don't have the courage to, ch- to, to confront their children on sinful behavior. A lot of pastors don't have the courage to do that. Uh, bosses tend to do it because they, their money's at stake, and, they, and if they don't like it, they'll just get rid of you. But a lot of people don't have the courage. A lot of political leaders don't have the courage to challenge people on our faults. They want to just pacify them so they have more power and votes and so on. There's a third reason that we tend to not have not take the speck out of our brother's eye, and that is our culture tends to think it's unloving, that love just lets people do whatever they want to do. And that's not true. Love gets involved with people. I sometimes, when, when the students bring this up with me, that love doesn't confront, love doesn't challenge, love doesn't bring up a person's fault, it just accepts and lets people do something. I point out that when I was in high school, I still remember there was a guy sitting near me in homeroom. He was a, you know, I, I, I knew he had bad behavior. I knew he did bad things. I never confronted him. Why? I didn't even know him that well. He wasn't a friend, per se, and, uh, and so I just didn't. And turns out, maybe I should have, because the guy now is serving a life sentence in prison for a pretty notorious murder he committed. On the other hand, I had a friend who told me one night after our last basketball game in the fresh, I can still picture it in my mind right now, almost 50 years later, told me uh, he was going to start doing drugs. And I, and I urged him, I pled with him, don't do it, don't do it. And I asked the students, which of those two people do you think I love more? The friend that I urged not to get involved in drugs? Or the guy who I knew was doing bad, weird stuff, and I didn't say a word to him. Well, it's obviously the one I confronted and challenged, but I did it in a spirit of concern for him, not just trying to put him down, not just going to call him a name, say, you're going to be a druggie? No, no. I I said, boy, you're better than that. Don't ruin your life. I did this because I loved him. This tells us how we ought to do it. Galatians chapter 6, 1, Paul kind of amplifies in this idea. He says, brethren, even if anyone, even if anyone has caught a trespass, you who are spiritual, dare we say you've taken the log out of your own eye, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Restore such a one. This is the goal. You see, in, 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 the, in the judging of Matthew chapter 7, the goal is just to put people down. In, but what Jesus says, take the speck out of your eye. What Paul's saying is restore such a one, mend them, help them become well, help them overcome the thing that they're caught in, the trespass, the sin they're caught in. We do this in a spirit of gentleness, kindness, meekness. We look to ourselves, acknowledge our own temptation. We don't do this with an arrogant, I told you so attitude. We don't come forcing them to change. We come appealing to them with meekness, with our own, our, 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 not angry, we're under control, we have a kindness in our spirit, we, we want them to know we're doing it for their sake. 
This is the key. Parents, when you uh, confront your children or grandparents, when you confront your children, you can pull rank on them, but the older you get, you've got to appeal to them. The older they get, you've got to appeal to them. You can't just come with power and say, I told you so. I'm the parent. Shape up or else. But if you, but our goal is to restore them, to win them. And key to this is they've got to know we're doing it for their benefit. It's really easy to reprove a person, rebuke a person, try and correct a person because they're irritating us, because they've let us down, because we're mad at them. But that, that often re- repels. We've got, they've got to know we're doing this because we love them. We want them to be a better person. Or as Paul says, we want to restore them, mend them, help them be all that Jesus wants them to be. We've all got problems. And so even if you're doing this, or dare I say, if someone comes to you and you're on the receiving end, receive their help, receive their instruction, be blessed by it. We've all got areas to grow in. And when people want to help us in it, or when we're called to help another person, restore them in love, the spirit of meekness. Amen. Father in heaven, we bless you today and we thank you and praise you for your relational principles. Thank you, Lord. You don't want us to just ignore problems and and just let them fester and become worse and worse. You teach us, though, Lord, first to deal with our own issues, first to deal with our own, the log in our own eye, to become spiritual ourselves, to look first to ourselves, and to correct that in the power of the Spirit of God, and then to help others. And I pray, Father, that you would make each of us here experts skilled in helping other people grow in their lives, helping draw attention to needs in ways that don't cause them to be angry and defensive, but help them to receive what we say and, and, uh, and grow and become more and more like Jesus. Lord, we pray you said a wise man makes knowledge acceptable. Help us to be people who know how to communicate in ways that people receive what we're giving them. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word and your truth. We pray again today for your comfort, encouragement. I think particularly, again, I continue to pray for those suffering people in Nashville. Let your comfort be upon them. We bless you and we love you. Give you this day to walk in the light of God and in the power of God and to be the instruments of God in this dark world. We bless you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. So glad to have you along. So we get into the Word of God and talk about it. If you're new, welcome. We come here every day at, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time Live, but you can join us and watch any day. If you come live, you can participate in the chat, even share prayer requests. If you come later in the day, that's fine. Or even if you just want to listen in your car, at the gym, or on a walk, you can download the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Just search for Tom the Preacher. I love you guys. So glad to have you along. Make sure that you join us every day and share with your friends. Invite them to be part of our community. Getting in the Word of God every day. We've got to have it. These are important days. We best be strong in the Word. God bless you. I love you. And I will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.